0: Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, "Behind the Badge Illinois," hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge Illinois views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit wgnradio.com/slash/BehindTheBadge. Look, at this. the Chicago way is a deep cultural phenomenon. It's the Chicago way.
1: The Chicago way. That's the focus.
0: In a tower by the river, there lived a man. Castle. There was a man who took a stand. With pen and paper in his hand. Defeating foes in every ward with a pen more mighty than the sword. No escape from his ink lasso. In a tower by the river. Castle. Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun,
1: he sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago
0: way.
2: It's a very confusing time, everybody. You know that. Uh, Welcome to the Chicago Way. We've got um, Charles Lipson as our guest. Charles Lipson, Professor Emeritus, University of Chicago, author of many great books. pieces recently too that i think are most most impressive and most important cleaning house at the fbi and the justice department is one and the other one most recent is uh biden robs peter to get paul's vote i wonder where that quote comes from because i've been trying to find out if did uh did voltaire actually say that uh did he give that quote that is misattributed to him about, uh, you, know, by, you know, the government and the the people being bribed with their own money. And it turns out that's not true, but with all this stuff going on, I thought we, and the president Biden, who just, what, wasn't it two years ago or so his inauguration telling us that his heart was in the right place and he was going to, um, treat his opponents with respect, and now he's out uh, just as we sit down tonight. He's out in Maryland and Steny Hoyer's land saying that if you're a Republican, if you voted for Trump, so that's 75 million people, you're nothing but a fascist. You are a fascist, and this is where we're going. So uh, Charles Lipson inspired me to write my own column uh, reading his stuff i write write my own column about burying those um, fbi tomahawks where do we bury them charles lipson
0: well you know biden said uh that uh, trump supporters were semi-fascists which i um i assume meant that they they drove 18 wheelers
1: right, and therefore,
0: therefore did not qualify for any of the <laughs> loan uh, student loan rebates. Is that um, like semi
2: sweet chocolate? Is it like semi fascist? It's like yeah, kind of yeah. not I that think good, it's like
0: soft core porn. <laughs> use it in baking. Oh yeah. Uh, the, the public um, back and forth uh, of our politics is so low. Yeah. And uh, I don't uh, particularly attribute that to, to Biden. When tr- a lot of Trump's arguments were essentially ad hominem attacks uh, uh, on people. Yeah. so it's not as if one person started it but but what we have now is a very divided nation. We have a technology that allows us to watch the news or read it or whatever only the kind of news that confirms our existing biases. Mm-hmm. And then we have a lot of um, devices, Twitter is the main one, that are sort of short attention span. Um, so you say something outrageous. And we have all these backbenchers in Congress. good example would be somebody like Matt Gates. Who are, are not really influential legislators, but they used to appear at least before he was accused of uh, various illegal acts and so forth. Mm. Used to appear a lot on cable, uh, shows, right wing cable shows, and then there is the equivalent on the left. And I just think it's it, it's a sort of degradation of the of the public sphere. And it's been you can you can see how that's working in primaries, in in our primary elections, because we have uh, sort of ascendant uh, uh, sections of both parties which are able to win primaries and prevent more centrist candidates from expressing those views and then uh, go into the general election where there's a large middle swath of voters who sort of have nobody to pick from
2: well there's uh, there are many uh, Democrats out today now who are basically condemning the president for or criticizing the president for his uh, um, giveaway of between 300 billion and hundred billion dollars mm. uh, where basically the elites get uh, help and the your average working class person, Uh, who didn't go to college has to pay for it
0: that's exactly right uh the the column uh that i wrote about it which appeared in the spectator which is uh, an english publication that now has a large american presence and website uh i i said that there were several problems with it and that i thought that the that there would be more political blowback than political gain for the president. And I wrote that as soon as he uh, made the decision and it looks like over the next day, that's exactly what's happened. Let me, let me say two or three of the problems. The first one obviously is inflation. There's no taxes that are going to pay for this. So how are you going to pay for it? You're going to print money. Mm -hmm. And uh, the second one, which is one that you, uh, you highlighted is, is what economists call, uh, income regression effects or regressive income effects, which means you're giving money to higher income people at the expense of lower income people. But that's, that's partly true, but it's not quite right because really a lot of the people who are receiving the money are Younger people who are on their way up. So their income right now might be, uh, below $125,000, which doesn't sound very low to me, frankly. I mean, it sounds right. pretty good money. And, um, I mean, it's twice the average teacher's salary, mm-hmm. not in Chicago, but nationwide. And, um, but they're, they're rising. They've, uh, y- you can get this rebate if you've got graduate degrees and all the rest Mm -hmm. so these are people who whatever their income is now they're on their way up and that's why they borrowed the money to go to school the third thing uh, which i think will actually blow the program out of the water is illegal yeah is that it's illegal that is and why is it's not it's more than illegal it's Mm -hmm. unconstitutional um and it's important to understand why that is. This is the largest single expenditure by presidential fiat in the history of our country. And I think that would be true in real dollar terms. I mean, if you went back and looked at any expenditure and put them into 2022 dollars, they don't. The secretary of education today was asked how much it would cost. And he so, can't uh, even say. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, this not. is. This is like the Keystone Cops, and but estimates are between $300 and $900 billion by one presidential signature. But our Constitution requires that expenditures be made by, the Congress. uh, by congressional authorization. Right. So under what authorization is he doing this? Well, he says he's doing it under an act which basically allowed us uh, uh, to make payments to people who were first responders for 9-11. That uh, said that if there was a national emergency, you could do something. So he's Mm -hmm. saying there's a COVID national emergency, but his own Justice Department went before federal courts and abolished uh, some of the... the uh, Section 42, where people could be sent back to their home countries if they were illegal immigrants, because they said there's no COVID emergency. Well, he's and he, he's got a thing tonight where he's, everybody's meeting. They're wow. not wearing
2: masks. They're not Man. wearing masks in Stunny Hoyer land. Right. right. Maryland. So,
0: I mean, so, um, you know, uh, the, it's utterly inconsistent. But the key point about constitutionality is that the very core of our government is that sovereign power is really we call it separated but in effect it's shared among three branches the legislative executive and judicial and the idea behind that was that no one of those uh branches would be able to become tyrannical the the founding fathers originally thought it would be congress it became tyrannical, but but there are dangers, you know, with every branch, and especially these days with the executive branch. But uh, I, I think that Biden will not be able to get this through. And and the fact that what you said, John, that uh, people like uh Ryan who is running for Senate in Ohio. Yeah is renouncing this. And you have people in other states with a lot of blue-collar workers. They're just saying this is nuts.
2: The voice you might hear besides Charles Lipson, who, you know, Charles, you have a just a killer voice. I'm just saying that.
0: Why, thank wow. you, John.
2: I am kind of like smitten by the voice, <laughs> uh, and I, and I like, just imagine it in the lecture halls of, uh, at the University of Chicago. And uh, the other voice who's like, mm hmm, hmm, and agreeing. <laughs> the guy I, for, I forgot to, my buddy, I forgot to introduce. Jar, uh, uh what's your name again, sir?
1: Jeff Carlin. Oh, hey, Executive thanks, John. Hey, Charles, <laughs> and radio.
0: hey, Jeff. I, I've got a recording of you around the house where I can just push a button after <laughs> I say things. And it says, yes, that's right.
1: Uh, I love it. Well, I mean, Charles, I'm always like, like John, I I could listen to you wax about politics forever. It, uh, it is one of my favorite pastimes. Um, I, You know, you're talking about the, the, the idea of this whole loan pro- program. And I'm somebody who is going to benefit from this because I have about. $10,000 in Pell Grants, uh, you know, that, I, that uh-huh. I used to go to school because I was raised saying, taught that the only way to advance was through a college degree and that that was the most important thing. And this is what you must do. And so I, I signed my name and said, Hey, I'll give me some money. I'll, I'll do what I can. Um, and I've been paying and, you know, it sucks, but you keep paying and this will be a windfall for me. Um, I, the idea that it'd be the unconstitutional. I had
0: urged John to actually give you more than they give the fry. Uh, the fry guys at McDonald's, but apparently not.
2: You know, Jeff is uh, is 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 growing every day in his in his endeavors, and uh, we're not going to just have him be a robot like in at
1: McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right?
0: right. No, no, that's really interesting. It's going to help help you directly. Uh, yes, Jeff.
1: well, right, and I mean, but it, and the savings is you know going to be a couple hundred dollars a month for me that I'm not mm-hmm. paying to the government. Ultimately, and then, instead of actually getting that money, you know, in, in a lump sum, which kind of leads me to the idea that that may be the political or the um, constitutional loopholes that the president is essentially nullifying funds that were already discretionarily set aside for these grant programs. And the interest on those payments is really where the government's going to lose out on on top of it, which is as if by design. Well, right. Right. As okay. by right. Right. And, and the real argument is that the president's kind of doing the same thing that they did with the, the covid, you know, PPP program, except it was that that well, was directed and written
0: by Congress. You know, it was right. No, fraud But
2: they, the Congress approved it. Right. Well, that's the thing. That's it. the Congress difference. Congress approved
0: it and yeah. they approved it because they were trying to rescue small businesses Mm -hmm. that were going to be put out of business because the government itself had required the economy to shut down. So I do understand that. There was a lot of fraud absolutely in well, the pvp program yeah. that's a different matter and mm-hmm. they should go after that
1: and they are you see stories all the time i mean in chicago luckily we've got a you know a branch here federal uh, investigators but they they've just announced you know so and so was running a shoe shop and then and they happen to have seven shoe
0: shops in the same apartment you how know how many lori
2: Light, lightfoot senior cops got oh hi oh hey right hey you know yeah, right.
0: well they don't have to spend much time actually chasing people because they <laughs> prohibited that now
2: Charles you're on the verge of being accused of like our old uh, our good friend Dan prof who will be on at another podcast with us yeah, yeah. Uh, if you criticize her you're you're apt to be condemned as a dog whistling racist <laughs> you cannot mention the fact that she is not handling crime
0: well first of all, My dog is literally at my feet right now, and he does not consider the term dog whistling to be a negative term in any way. He (laughs) considers that the highest praise. Everything's relative.
2: You know how smart dogs are that they can... A dog whistle can be directed at a Democrat, but it can be interpreted (laughs) by a Republican dog. A Republican dog can... A conservative dog can interpret, you know, various political dog whistles at the same time.
0: It's interesting. I'm glad you mentioned this thing about dog whistles. Mm -hmm. uh, Because I actually participated in an experiment. uh, Another student, she's now a professor at. Uh, the University of Texas at Austin. She was not my student. She was studying American politics, but she had me record three advertisements, and they, the first one was a kind of straight advertisement, and then the second one had a little bit of a dog whistle, and the third had uh, more of a dog whistle in her terms. And so she was doing... Uh, experiments with people to see how they responded to those and i do think that there are subtle signals that people send i mean in uh, you know all the time but uh, i'm more concerned actually about um this requirement that is now uh, spreading among camp- universities and maybe others, where you have to make ideological declarations to even be considered for employment,
2: and that's uh, yeah. is that is that going to increase diversity on campus or uh, limit diversity? On
0: well, here's the point. Uh, first of all,
2: or are the- you going to tell me that diversity is only about? Uh, it's not. It is not about the thought it's not about cut of mind that's if exactly you do what... that you that's <laughs> a dog whistle and you're you're making me think that they're racist about because how dare you
0: <laughs> well uh they what's happening now yeah. uh if you go back 30 40 years and you look at the say the distribution of uh political affiliation mm-hmm. in in uh top universities they they Uh, We're more Democratic than Republican, but there was a kind of mix. Now the numbers are just astronomical Uh, and, uh, you know, more than 20, 30, 40 to one. And it's it's worse than that. I I mean, even starting 10 or 15 years ago, I had students from other departments come to me and say, uh, I actually have views that are kind of out of step with. The other people in my department, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and they were more conservative views right. were no sense racist. They were no sense. You know, I mean, they, they were perfectly acceptable kind yeah. of views that you would want to see debated and encouraged. And And they said, what should I do? And the only analogy I could think of was what a gay professor in 1952 would have felt like. If a gay student from another department came and said, you know, I, I I, can't reveal who I am to anybody in the university because I won't be hired, I'll be excluded, people won't talk to me, you know, I mean, it'll be a Especially problem. Especially yeah.
2: if that gay student were homosexual. Exactly. And exactly. then say, you can say, well, you could find take refuge in the fact that you're a homosexual, but don't tell anybody that you might be a communist because then you're really screwed.
0: Well, I mean, all of these things were, uh, um, there was a very famous moment. uh, Mm -hmm. The University of Chicago considers it one of its um, high points, really. Uh, During the 1930s, when Charles Walgreen, uh, the Ah. person who founded the chain, came to the president of the university and said, I understand that they're communists on your faculty, and I want to see them fired. And the president of the university, uh, Robert Maynard Hutchins, told him to get lost. And he could take his money with him. Uh, but, I mean, that, that um, the, the, the sense that, so there are two issues there. One is who gets to make decisions the universities do. But, uh, but there's also a sense, and I certainly had it when I first entered the political science department, at the University of Chicago. I had just come from Harvard, and I would say at Harvard, everybody had what I would call the New Yorker view of the world, right? I mean, a very narrow political spectrum. Mm -hmm. And when I got to Chicago, there were people who are renowned conservatives and people who were actually communists. I mean, there was a wide spectrum and you could hear really interesting debates. Uh, one of the most interesting when I started, uh, John and Jeff was about American exceptionalism uh-huh. was American exceptional nation. And it was a debate that we used to have at lunch and so forth right. where people who studied france or people who studied japan or america or international politics everybody could weigh in and it was an interesting uh sort of uh, debate that drew us all together and was about a serious issue and that's what university should be yeah
1: it's i mean it's crazy because you, you feel like you you would learn more ultimately from from exploring you know the idea of you know thought and and what you know, your policy and and, and even in, you know recent history and you I think you learn more about your own beliefs and understanding of how you feel by hearing from other people's you know ideas and it's this weirdness like you just hit on earlier where all of our news media or anything we anybody you know, intakes anymore comes from some place where it's specifically driven to to fit their need, we were, you know we're making everything much more tailored to us individually, almost creating our own like reality, yeah, but it's almost like a, a hyper reality you know that, that's, that's
0: that's exactly amplified. right, and you could see us slipping down a very slippery slope, dorms mm-hmm. uh, now in Berkeley, California, that uh, don't allow whites um in uh Minneapolis. Uh, The teachers union and the city uh, school board are agreeing to fire white teachers first. These these uh, that may or seems unlikely to be able to get past a a court review. But the fact that people who think of themselves, I'm sure, as being very much committed to social justice, think that you can typecast everybody by the race they're born into and cannot change is, to me, deeply antithetical to the best American values.
2: There was a time when uh, a a leftist, a conservative, and a conservative could uh, have shish kebab at uh, that Armenian restaurant down the street from the Tribune. (laughs) <laughs> ah <laughs> remember that place that all the wfmt guys would go with syat nova yes I've, right? i mean, university of chicago guys wfmt, WFMT there. guys right yeah that, that's, that's yeah i i had
0: I, I had many a meal there with uh with Arson. the late great yeah. milt rosenberg that's right not bad. Uh, i'm gonna
2: be with his son in the Matt. north
0: Shore,
2: Matt. Yeah. Yeah, yep and I take, uh, they, they're billing it as the Chicago Way goes to the North Shore. Um, we're going to be talking to the new tour neighbors. So I guess if you're interested in uh, showing up, now you don't have to show up, Charles. We we can have a burger anywhere. But um, <laughs> but anyone who wants to go, find it on, on social media and uh, hope you go.
0: Oh, that I, sounds, that sounds
2: fun. I need to ask you this. I've got to ask you a, que- a serious question to both of you. When, uh, and I think it's a magic, the magic of the internet mm-hmm. that now when you hear of a quote, so I see Biden passing out the, these these insane amounts to the elite to take care of his politics for college tuition and thinking about those who didn't go to college and just maybe bought a F-150 truck and a, you know and some mm-hmm. tools so they could uh, work in in their own field or, or whatever field they thought of and uh and i thought of the the aldermen of the days in the 1950s passing out turkeys and hams on election <laughs> on election that day you know here's your yep. turkey here's your ham committee and so and so so the point is yeah uh there was a quote attributed to um De Tocqueville the Frenchman the American Republic will endure until the day college uh, Congress discovers that it can bribe the people with the, the people's money unfortunately it's a great quote unfortunately he never said it but there are other quotes attributed to other people around that uh, in that on that idea Alexander Frazier Tyler and a fellow named Elmer Peterson From the Daily Oklahoma, who said this, and I I want your reaction to it. Mm -hmm. A democracy cannot exist as a permanent form of government. It can only exist until the majority discovers it can vote itself, largesse, out of the public treasury. After that, the majority always votes for the candidate promising the most benefits with the result of the democracy collapsing because of the loose fiscal policy, always to be followed by dictatorship and then a monarchy.
0: Well, and you I can thought, forget about monarchy, but yeah. uh, well, but I, I would say that the um, Did Mr. Uh, progressives, have a point? <laughs> progressives think that that's exactly what Republicans do for the rich and uh conservatives i mean they think that that if you think about reagan's tax bill which was a very fair tax bill basically he took very high rates he didn't just reduce rates he reduced them to two brackets and uh with a cutoff down below where (laughs) you didn't have to pay anything and but uh remember there was a day 50 years ago where uh uh, doctors used to own herds of cattle out in Wyoming and so forth, not because they wanted to raise cattle, but because they wanted to transfer their income from regular income into capital gains and that sort of thing. Uh, so you get deadweight economic losses. But what Reagan did was he he sharpened uh, the and flattened the income uh tax system so it was down to two rates and then what happens it's like a, a boat whose whose uh, hull has been cleaned and then what happens over years and years and years is barnacles build up and those barnacles are special interests putting in a loophole here a, right. a, a special expenditure there mm-hmm. so that's that's all true but i just would warn you against thinking it's It's only one group that wants it. Everybody bellies up to the trough. And you and I can remember, John, but you cannot, Jeff. Um, There was a day when uh, somebody who was a a congressman or a senator finished uh, his or her term and then came back to his home district uh, in retirement. But now there's so much money in Washington. They all stay there. Oh, yeah. and, I mean, their wives, and, and their and wives lobby. or
2: husbands have to stay there as, as right. Uh, <laughs>
1: lobbyists. Right. And <laughs> and Senator Durbin. Well, nice or they can out. stay in
0: Napa and have a drink.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Check out Peter Schweizer's book. Throw them all well, out. It's a great uh, breakdown I, of how co- people in Congress always end up becoming quite wealthy when they leave Congress. And well, why do we think that? that is
2: Mitch McConnell? Okay. But listen, I'm just.
0: Well, Mitch McConnell's everyone. got a very wealthy wife.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, and I think she's involved in China China shipping. Well, I don't. Well,
0: know. that's right. That's what her family does. Right. Uh, but I mean, it, but it, I wasn't referring to any particular yeah. side.
2: I didn't. Right. I, I know wasn't you were. saying. Well, I wasn't saying liberals do this or leftists and rightists or whatever. And the people, the the appetites of the people, once it once it's leveraged in terms of money that from the like this deal, like this, like this ridiculous. Uh, loan loan bailout exactly this stuff this stuff accelerates to the point where eventually there's economic catastrophe and when economic after economic catastrophe there's authoritarian right authoritarian well, right. impulse and my my concern is that we're on that path
0: well you, you raised a second issue early on about what we would uh, talk about, and that was the raid on Mar-a-Lago, mm. and, uh, and that is one where uh, a number of people have been very concerned um, uh, about that raid, and uh, I I I have friends on both sides. Actually, there's more than than two sides in this. Yes, there are people yeah. who are pro-Trump conservatives. There are people who are anti-Trump conservatives and then there are a variety of liberals. And and I think that the um the issue there that uh is whether they could have taken um measures with a lighter hand. They did something that's been unprecedented in the history of the country, which is raid the home of a former president. And Uh, And then what you hear is a series of self-justifying leaks from the Justice Department, which should never occur. That's Um, what the
2: Kamalas do. That's how they play.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And uh, they say, uh, well, there were very top-secret documents. (laughs) And then you have... uh, then you then you have uh people on msnbc saying well you should just behead uh trump you know i mean <laughs> he should be executed as no. a traitor yes. i mean it's it's as if the Sounds word like prudence has never entered anybody's <laughs> mind yeah I mean, we talked about it with, with tom like some, last
1: week oh bevan yeah bevan i mean it was that, that whole idea that it's regardless of of justification or whatever the you know the legal parameters of them doing this. It the, the the look was just it's bad for so many reasons, not just I mean domestically, but internationally. It 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 weakens us as a you know as as these this is, we were talking about a little earlier is this you know exceptional nation. Uh, we're attacking our own, and I think to to Charles, your piece you kind of got to the idea of what, what do we do now with it. You know if, if if nobody has not nobody, but if the the general trust in this entity of the fbi is is so diminished and tarnished what do we do next
0: well it's a big problem because there's both high level incompetence combined with bureaucratic self-protection right and that's on the one hand and then the (laughs) second big pot Mm -hmm. is uh, a pretty strong perception of political bias at the highest levels
2: just a small one or a big one?
0: Oh man yeah big. Clear. and we've learned today um uh, that um yeah. the fbi there, uh-huh. according to according to reports, senator ron johnson of wisconsin there have been uh uh, FBI agents, whistleblowers, who've come to – not dog whistleblowers, but just whistleblowers <laughs> – who've come to, to him and said that uh, the FBI uh, agents were explicitly told – to hold off on any investigation of Hunter Biden's laptop uh, because of the election, but the FBI agents then went even further than killing the story. They try. They put out the story from the FBI, and of course, the CIA's former officials put it out. So it would seem as if to the average viewer that these people actually knew something that this was all russian disinformation well it was disinformation all right it was their disinformation zuckerberg
2: came out publicly and said on the joe rogan uh podcast that uh the fbi came to facebook and said don't run this hunter biden stuff because it's russian disinformation that to me is i don't know is that a felony i mean can the fbi influence influence uh Elections that way?
0: Well, they can. Um yeah. and look, uh, nothing ever seems to happen to these guys, yeah, right. right? We know there was fraud before the FISA courts, uh, getting secret warrants. Uh we had um we had a guy from the North Shore yeah. who is now uh the um who the is Attorney now General? the Attorney General, the, former very senior come out and say this was a narrowly drawn uh search but you look at the search warrants which have now been made public it was not narrowly drawn at all everything that
2: trump any any paper that trump generated in the four years he was president
0: basically they could seize it and so that looked to me not that the courts would ever find it but there's something called a general warrant and those are uh, prohibited by the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And um, the reason that they're prohibited is that the British use them yes. to, to go after a person. So you find, you show me the person and I'll show you the crime. And that's the problem with a general warrant. You, uh, and so I think that there are some serious problems at the FBI. And uh, it's very clear. Uh, that Christopher Ray uh, has not been able to clean them up or maybe didn't want to and it's very clear that Bill Barr um, uh, took Christopher Ray's word uh, when Barr said we really do need to do some serious house cleaning there and he took Ray's word that Ray would do it and Ray never did and of course the current DOJ has no interest in doing that at all
2: Yeah. we're in a bad place uh constitutionally politically and uh but still i just i got off the phone with some friends from the fbi that i you know i was supportive as jeff knows of the fbi uh when they were doing corruption fighting here in chicago Mm -hmm. and uh i've spoken to their group you know to the to their uh, to the group's graduations oath, and so own uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and i'm sure i'm going to be accused of uh some crime from my jack former Jacobin and uh editors like like how dare you uh how dare you uh advise or discuss anything with lori lightfoot back when we were friends hmm. this because people do this stuff when they're in human beings but the fbi guys that i know are seeing this thing unfold, and they're very upset. They, they, should s- be. they feel themselves, the are rank rank-and-file pros, and they feel themselves under siege, kind of like cops do under siege. And uh, I said, okay, to, to one of them, I said, okay, you've got, I'll give you 900 words. Write out what you're feeling and how, as long as you're not libeling somebody, and I'll check, we check all the, check it all, you know. You uh, let's hear what you have to say on the subject. Write it out. Give me a column to johncastnews <laughs> and uh, I hope he. I, you know, hope he, I hope he does it. Yeah, I mean, well, oh, you I, know,
0: I, it. You, you're reminding me of something, at, uh, which is, uh, I'm a former university professor, now emeritus, which I remind all listeners means great with merit. <laughs> um, and, uh, you work for a newspaper and, uh, John, and, um, these are our institutions that are in deep, deep trouble. Yep. Uh, and so we look back on the institutions that we joined when we were younger and spent our professional lives in, and we look back with a lot of sadness and I don't know if that's true. For true. you, Jeff, I mean, you've been in broadcasting, but sure. in a way, there's a flourishing uh, new kind of radio, which is podcasting. Which what we're, is doing, what we're now. doing
1: now. Yeah. yeah. Follow the message. Yeah. But, uh, Jeff, do you feel um,
2: I, I, clearly the in- industry's changed, but I don't think it's changed as fundamentally off course as is j- American journalism and the. Uh, the universities, which are basically, you know, the mar- the marching ground of the left. I don't well, think broadcast. Has well, bro- it, but bro- right?
1: yeah, no, but broadcast has pretty rigid guide rails for what you can do, can and can't do. Um, you know, you, you've, the FCC is is very stringent, and the fines are very hefty if you do things that either is you know stealing people's licenses or, or things like that in nature. It also includes content. I mean, people can complain to the FCC that you're. Either you're being uh, you know, they call uh, breaking the public trust uh, with whatever you're broadcasting. So that, that that's kind Don't of why many ideas, yeah, right. That's why radio kind of has and an TV to a, to an extent too. Not cable, but you know, broadcast TV mm-hmm. um, has that it's slower to change. You know, you have we have around elections, you have to carry people's messages on from both sides. If it can't it is is legitimate, you have to put them on. I mean it. There are a lot of rules in place that kind of keep. That's a good it. point,
0: we, but um, it, it's also uh, it's a marketplace that has really changed quite dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, when FM came in, you had better sound quality, so yeah. all the music moved over to FM, or most of it did. AM became talk. You had some conservative, some. Le- I mean, it, mm-hmm. and then you've had a lot of consolidation at the national level. Then you've had these new services, Spotify and the like, come in, right. uh, satellite uh, services, and now I think all this great podcasting. I love uh, uh, podcasting um, because you you can do long form things. I, the other day um, I was interviewed on some television channel or something, and and they was uh, the the person said to me before we we went on he said well we can really get into depth on this you know i have eight minutes (laughs) Uh, you know and i just thought well you know we we that's the kind of world that we uh that we live in that uh it it sort of pays for a short uh attention span and that's Mm -hmm. that's regrettable you were talking about um you were talking about Lori Lightfoot and these accusations of yeah. racism. And I grew up in the South uh, at the right. tail end of uh, Jim Crow South. And for anybody who had that kind of experience, you can only look at the at the changes uh, over the last, say, 60 years as being enormously positive positive. Not yeah. uniformly so. Yeah. I, I don't mean all the outcomes have been positive, but just the amount of uh, the lessening of discrimination, the the fact that uh, you know, it was around the loving. time
2: Richard around yeah. the time Richard Daly is screaming at Abraham Ribbakov, mm-hmm. go fly a kite or whatever he was saying, remember right. you, faker, you faker. Right. All right. At that time, if I had told you mm-hmm. um we, the the mayor would be – we'd have a black mayor.
0: After a Jewish mayor.
2: After a Jewish mayor. <laughs> right, we'd yeah. Have a, we'd have a black uh, chief judge. We'd Rock- have a black Cook uh, County board president, and we'd have a black states, states attorney. Tenure. Nobody would believe it. <laughs> no, no. I mean, don't know what she's – what is she – her – Science her, fiction. Effectively, and I, I don't want but to – But if pre- you remember,
0: said all of that, and you said – And yet, the south side and the west side would be so dangerous that uh, what people used to do in the 40s when it was hot, sleep out on on their back porches and that sort of thing, nobody would even begin to think of that these days. They would find that extremely disheartening, and rightly so. Uh, Uh, Good
2: point. point. The point of what she's doing and we'll get into that in the next uh, during the next podcast. But I should ask you, uh, yeah, Charles and Jeff, what she's doing is is similar to the people that accused me of being uh, anti-Semitic because I dared question uh, George Soros's uh, pay- payments of uh, political money to Kim Fox. And uh, but this time they're going after Dan Proft saying. Uh, he, he's darkened her skin and these, these are dog whistles and how dare you question her. And the issue is that black people are, and brown people are being slaughtered in the streets of Chicago every day. And, uh, I, last time I checked, she was talking in terms of being favorably disposed to people of color, but I guess now that they're being slaughtered, where,
0: where is she now? Well, we had um first of all, mobilizing constituencies along racial ethnic religious yeah, lines yeah. is as old as, right. is as uh, old as the trees and uh but it's there's something sort of different about it today because it it has an edge that we're not only mobilizing you because you're a fine Italian-American or whatever, but it, it it implies that the other groups are somehow bad, evil, and out to get you. And I think that that's, that turns out to be very divisive, and yes. and, and, and predictably so. And when you have... Uh, sort of blatantly to me unconstitutional moves where you're going to fire one group on the basis of race or where you're going to say housing in some public accommodation is only on the basis of race. I just promotions. think have gone back to the worst days of racial segregation.
2: That's why equity to me um, mm-hmm. it thoroughly means equity means racism. St- government-sanctioned racism because poli- uh, because political people use that term. And she's using the term Le- uh, Lightfoot, and Preckwinkle uses it, Fox uses it, and so does Pritzker, the the well, white right. pasty-faced guy. You know, and um,
0: uh, it's, well, it's, it's a it, bother. It, these are These are terms uh, that have no clear meaning. Uh, diversity equity and inclusion right. they they sound good <laughs> and right. it would be nice to know what they meant uh but what uh but these are kind of like alice in wonderland words they mean whatever i want them to mean and um do they mean eat me like the <laughs> cake <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've had a few
2: drinks. I shouldn't podcast oh, with a few drinks. Yeah, oh, that's you, all good.
0: Oh my, my, my! I can see the high quality that you want to maintain, the yes. high tone that you want to maintain on this podcast, John. Eighteen-year-old, don't Scott. you have any control over this man?
1: Oh no, John is a castle. Why did you let piece. me? Why did you let me have that, uh, Glenn <laughs> Morangi, eighteen years old? Hey Charles, while we got you, I wanted to ask you. Uh, you know, you, you kind of c- talked to it earlier about the idea of the the primaries where we're seeing more and more you know, uh, fringe or or further away from the, the mm-hmm. center or, or just even reality. Candidates kind of you know drumming up sensationalism for, for lack of a better word in their candidacy platforms. Um, How do you feel with what they are doing in Alaska with like the ranked choice voting? I mean, to me, it feels very Democratic. It does feel very representative of of beliefs and, you know, and what's best for my interests. But I know that there is some criticism of it.
0: I am glad you asked uh, that question because I have actually not only participated in a ranked choice uh, voting. I have actually been one of the people who counted the votes. That's how we. Elect people to various university-wide committees at the University of Chicago, Hmm. Um, and um, and I kind of like it. Let me explain. We called it uh, the H A R E Hare system because a man named Hare invented Mm -hmm. it. But Uh rank choice is a better way. Uh, So let's say that uh, uh, all three of us, John, Jeff, and Charles are running uh for office and um, can i
2: can i be the communist, or the communist? <laughs> sure
0: okay and uh so anybody who comes in to vote yeah. um uh, can put down number one for jeff and number two uh for a uh, john and doesn't have to put down number three for charles right. he can just he can vote or not vote for charles okay or for any of us he can uh um in, in some of these university things, there were seven positions that were open on the council. There were 20 names. You could write as many numbers as you wanted, up to 20, okay? Mm-hmm. And the way it goes is that you look, you, you count and see who gets the lowest number of votes first. So Charles gets the lowest number of votes Okay. Now, what we do is we take all the people, number, the uh, lowest number of number one votes. First votes, votes okay. yeah. So now we take all of Charles's votes and we distribute them between Jeff and John according to whether that voter voted as his second choice, Jeff or John. Uh huh. or nobody if, if he voted right. nobody we the the ballot is now discarded right he, he didn't have a choice between the two of you some people complain about that but it seems to me if that person didn't have any choice between the two of you why should that matter okay right. mm-hmm. but but let's say three of the voters thought uh that jeff was the best second choice and uh, two of the voters thought John was the best second choice. Well, that's what happens next. So mm-hmm. Jeff gets those three votes. John gets those two. Now we count and see who has the least number one votes. And then the other guy wins. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, so that's the way we do it. And, and the advantage that that seems to me to have is you uh, think about the sense
2: uh, of the electorate. Exactly. Think
0: about an Academy Awards thing for the best picture. And if you have two pictures that are kind of alike, they're romantic comedies or they come from the same studio or whatever it is.
2: Yeah,
0: exactly. They, those will cancel each other out because they'll split the vote and some other uh, um, movie will come in first where if you had ranked voting the the less popular of the two romantic comedies its votes would be thrown out and if the the people who like romantic comedies made their second choice the other one then it would get more votes and so you would get different outcomes
2: didn't we Uh, have a similar system somewhat like this in chicago and illinois for our legislature before pat quinn put his grimy hands all over it and it's, it's well you mean the, the three and list? two where
0: you had yeah. three represent yeah yeah we had something like that but it's it's kind of in a way it's kind of close to uh, to a runoff system mm, yeah.
1: uh, or, or open primary type an open
0: of- primary but even in an open primary let's uh well you know how you know how chicago machine used to do the open primaries they would you know if they had their favorite candidate. Uh, let's say uh, that person was Irish-American, but there were a lot of Italian-Americans in the district, they would put two Italian-Americans on the ballot to split their vote. But if you had ranked choice voting, that wouldn't work, Mm. right? Because uh, I'm just assuming that they vote, their second choice would have been the other Italian-American. And so that person would have collected those folks it will yield something different but let's go back to what's really happening in these uh what's
2: happening is that murkowski in alaska like was basically a liberal is uh being protected by the system jeff carlin
1: my buddy that's well being protected by your in your opinion not that that's not my opinion but no i didn't i'm just applying it
0: will help her but that doesn't mean that it's wrong that the outcome is wrong. But what I do think is the case is that you've got – what what's disturbing to me about these Republican primaries is that it really, really, really helps to get Donald Trump's endorsement, not in every yeah. state, but in most states. And to get his endorsement, you have to say – that the 2020 election was stolen. Well, this is deeply uh, corrosive of a stable democracy, and there's no evidence for it. I mean, it would be corrosive, even more corrosive, if there was evidence for it. But, I mean, we've had years of court litigation over this, and I understand I have friends who, who still say that, and they're not unintelligent people. They... They have uh, graduate degrees that are well worthy of waiving the loans for. But, uh, (laughs) you know, but the fact is no neutral body, no neutral court has found that there's evidence. And to have people running for the highest for the highest offices in states like Pennsylvania and so forth, uh, who have to make this claim that uh, the 2020 election was stolen just seems to me uh, ludicrous and i would like to uh i i hope it is the case that we can get past that kind of um that kind of uh, crazed politics
2: i think that the uh, we'll never uh litigate this to the to the extent that it should be litigated but i think that we're you know there comes a time when you uh, tell uh stacey abrams or donald trump that no you didn't win you're not the governor right. stacy right. Uh, right. hillary hillary you're right. not the uh president right uh, and uh donald you're you you did not But win. that normally well,
0: starts with the loser that no i mean in other words yeah. it's normally that stacy abrams concedes exactly. to governor kemp but she has refused right and but- it's normally the case that donald trump concedes to joe biden but he has refused and that has put us in a perilous position because they've then gone on to convince a lot of their uh supporters mm-hmm. that their case that the election was stolen is a very strong one and well, it's but listen the at problem. the
2: same time you're saying that yep. and it's true i some of i, I grant but you have people uh putting their thumb on the scale at the same time this is happening. So you have the media and the FBI, for example, uh, lining up to beat the hell out of Trump. And uh, basically the impression is the people that run this country don't want this guy anywhere near.
0: That's right too. Yeah. There, 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 was somebody who wrote about, yeah, it was, just came out. Uh, Corey Franklin about, just sent it to me and I can't find it. Well, uh, there, there were, uh, a book called "Rigged."
2: Yeah, um, that and, was uh,
0: right, that and was,
2: uh, our friend um, Molly Hemingway.
0: Right, and I think what Hemingway's point is mm-hmm. is that uh, all these things that put their finger on the scale. We talked earlier about the FBI uh, right. suppressing evidence and mm-hmm. the government working with social media companies to kill information and all mm-hmm. all the rest legitimate information um uh that that rigs an election but it doesn't mean that the voting machines were themselves dishonest or that uh, people no. voted those and uh, we need to have terms that allow us to distinguish between the two and mm-hmm. i would say that i think a lot of the support that trump has and i think Uh, you can see DeSantis trying to to win a lot of this support as well, is that they think that the insiders who really have power do not have the best interest of ordinary people at heart. They are self-serving. And I think that AOC and a lot of people who are on that most progressive wing of the Democratic Party have a lot of the same feelings. So I would distinguish AOC and, say, Bernie Sanders from the Elizabeth Warren types uh, and certainly from the Hillary Clinton types who are really essentially insiders. They want to grab the bureaucracy and uh, give it more power because they think ultimately we should be ruled by experts, not by elected officials.
2: We should be ruled by the best
1: and the brightest. Oh, we we, we don't deserve that, do we?
0: <laughs> well, you will remember that the term. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember the the term from the book by right. David Halberstam, and it was used ironically yes. to refer to all the people from Harvard, especially the Kennedy advisors who went on mm-hmm. to serve Johnson, who got us into the mess in vietnam and so it was saying these are quote the best and the brightest so use air quotes around them but uh but really jeff and john you are the best and the brightest
1: (laughs) now you are charles
0: (laughs) oh 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 (laughs) i'm wearing a corsage for you jeff
2: (laughs) (laughs) i'm just smiling and not saying a thing
0: well, I, I do think, I mean, it's it's pretty easy to get yourself uh, into a funk about the state of American politics. And I always try to remind myself of a phrase from the great Adam Smith who said, there's a great deal of ruin in a nation, meaning you can do a lot sure. of bad things, but a strong, stable nation should be able to get through it. My experience from the late 1960s, when things really were turbulent, is how quickly things returned to normal, uh, and I don't have the same confidence now, but I didn't have it then either, and I just don't know if we'll, and I, I think that what's different now is that it seemed, besides the fact that the country is ideologically divided, it seems like our politics... Not only have a harsher edge, but have a more ideological tone than they've had in my adult lifetime. Uh, I think there are big issues. I think Reagan raised big issues. That was the only other time, really. Uh, and I think that that you can see that this that the biggest issue of all, I think, is control. Uh, By ordinary democratic procedures where Congress passes laws and the president signs them as opposed to being completely ruled by bureaucrats who pass regulations or presidents who uh, put through executive orders. Yeah. I think there's a second big issue about America's role in the world. We haven't really talked much about that, but there is a, a an isolationist movement that's probably stronger than at any time since Robert Taft was Mister Republican in the late 1940s.
2: Point of personal privilege, there, Professor. Yes, I would sir. rather I, I i i pre i'd much rather use the term non-interventionist.
0: Well, that's that's right. There are people who have a much more restrained notion of intervention but um but there are i mean it's a spectrum right i mean there are people who are um there are people who simply say uh of the fight in ukraine for example uh both on the left and and the right that's not our fight it's somebody else's fight and then uh and this doesn't involve U.S. soldiers, it does involve U.S. taxpayers' money, but there are other people who say the Ukrainians want to fight, it's about, ultimately, about liberty, but it's also about where uh, the Western uh, uh, world of freedom stops, and we have three big enemies in the world, Russia, China, and Iran, and uh, we've got problems with all of them, and I think that in there we haven't talked about this there's not time to go into it now but i think that there there are deeper debates about that issue than there have been uh in 70 years in this country
2: well like as i think the chinese say may you live in interesting times (laughs) and i I think we do uh, with china on the verge of uh, what kept taking taiwan A possible US China war, no one's talking about the uh, big tech manipulation and our own domestic politics roiling. I think I could have another drink after the
1: show. Okay.
0: John, I'll conclude by saying that I can remember when uh, (laughs) I did a lot of stuff on the air for Channel 5 NBC in Chicago. Right. And uh, I came down to the uh, studio one day and some of the fine people who were there, you remember Warner Saunders, sure. and people like that, and he was just a wonderful man and you, uh, he said hello, it's so nice to see you and I said Warner, you ought to know that when you see me in the studio, it's not because good things have happened
2: <laughs> well that's why we called on you today because everything's I mean, so confusing and uh, even though we're a li- little bit less confused uh the winds of confusion are still the balls of confusion are still uh,
0: rattling in my head at least. <laughs> it's great to talk to both of you.
2: For Charles Lipson, professor Emeritus, our good friend writer, find his stuff at the at the Spectator Spectator World on real clear politics, or just go to Charleslipson.com and for Jeff Carlin. Our buddy, and again, Jeff. I apologize for not uh, introducing <laughs> you right away. I, I guess no I've no never problem. done this podcast thing before. Three hundred fifty episodes, and for I the Glen Morange. Glenn, Glenn Morange, <laughs> <Glenn Morangy>. yes. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and for uh, me, John Cass, husband, father. I've been told I I've stopped saying Greek Orthodox Christian, and I just say Orthodox Christian. But uh, no slight intended to. Uh, the Church of My Fathers, even though I guess by mentioning it, I've already opened the wound even further. Thanks for joining us on another edition of The Chicago Way on WGN+. Plus.